Welcome to the Snowboarding Podcast, All I Really Need to Know I Learned from Snowboarding. I'm Chris Rogers. And I'm Nick Alfieri. This is the podcast where myself and Chris talk about all the life lessons we've learned from snowboarding, not just the good ones, but some of the struggles we've had along the way. So please stay tuned for this week's episode. All right, welcome back for this week's episode, episode 23. And this week we're talking about trainer pet peeves. Specifically, mine and your pet peeves in training. Yeah, yeah. So this is another one that has been uh, talked about before as as a possible episode. People have sent this one in as like, how do I how do I build a good relationship with my trainers? Like, how do I train for certification? How do I create better relationships um, with the people that I'm I'm training with or going to be taking exams with? And uh, and Nick and I thought that this was a good opportunity to get into uh, a, a little bit of the the darker side maybe of of this. And as you get certified and become a trainer, become a role model, the pressure goes up on your trainers and on your examiners. Like wearing that mantle in a ski school, being a mentor, being a trainer uh, can sometimes be exhausting. And there are things specifically that that we've all done or that, that candidates do or that people that the trainees do at different times that can get on your nerves a little bit. And uh, so we thought it was a good opportunity to talk about it, you know, and, and highlight some of the positive elements, how to, how to create a good relationship with your trainers, as well as be, be kind of open and honest about some of the things that, that, uh, that take us off when we're, uh, when we're in the trainer role. This episode has by the title, it might seem like it has a negative connotation like you're talking about, but it's really not. And as a trainer, I do truly believe that, you know, the quote, there is no such thing as bad students. There are, there are only bad teachers. Like if every student is being taught in the way they need to learn, um, everyone will learn at the same level or same pace. That's obviously not a blanketly true statement, but the sentiment of that. And as a trainer, of course, I believe we take responsibility for how we interact with our trainees. But like you said, this is about some of the things, maybe pulling back the curtain a little bit, that me and you find that are pet peeves of ours that we just think, man, if you would just do this a little bit differently or think about this a little bit differently or or have a different approach to this, you would be so much better. And some of those things become our pet peeves. So do you, do you have, do you want to kick this off? We didn't rehearse anything or anything like that. Do you want to start? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll jump in with, with the number one thing that I find myself saying in my head is shut up about snowboarding. <laughs> like just be a yeah. human being. Yeah. You know, like you're in City Market at 8 o'clock and somebody runs in, oh. oh, I've got this question about about centrifugal versus centripetal force. And yeah. like mm-hmm. you've taught all day, you're tired, you're just trying to get some milk and get home. Yeah. And like you know, like you feel that weight of responsibility and you're like, oh, I need to be be – like responsive to this trainee. You're a trainer 24 seven. It feels yeah, like you have, yeah. you have the mantle of that, right? Yep. yep. You get messages all the time. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Sure. But the, the thing in my head is like, dude, can you just be a human being? Like, can we just, can you just say hi? And then, you know, ask me that question in the clinic that we're doing tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like just turn off snowboarding, turn off skiing, turn off being an instructor sometimes and just be like, Hey, how's it going? It's hard. It's, it's hard though because a lot of the times our relationship with people is not friends. Our relationship with people in the clinics that we lead is we're their trainer and it can be really difficult. And I was just talking about this the other day that I feel like when I became 
a trainer or not became a trainer. The longer I am a trainer, the less friends I make. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. No, I like the less friends I make, the more it's like this weird relationship where it's, well, I'm the trainer and you have these questions about snowboarding and I only get approached from you when you have a question about snowboarding and trying to figure out what the balance of that is where it tips over the edge it's difficult but yeah i have definitely had times where i'm like man i don't want to talk about snowboarding yep. right now i just got home or i'm just at the grocery store trying to pick up some eggs i gotta get home <laughs> you know i i can't have this conversation now but you feel the pull to want to answer those questions right and and the last thing you want to do is is make yourself unapproachable right the last thing you want like you feel the pressure and we talk i've talked about this with new trainers like when i was a training manager and we were bringing new tra trainers in i gave them a talk about how you're a trainer 24 seven it's yeah. just like being a supervisor or manager you know like if you're if you're the ski school director and you run into somebody at the resort at the at the grocery store they're gonna unload on you about the day right like it's just a part of being a supervisor yeah and, and to a lesser extent a trainer and because you know it's just like if if you were a student and you ran into your instructor at the grocery store you'd be like oh my gosh guess what i did this and this and like and it's all comes yeah. from a good place and so that thought's running through your head like huh. i don't want to shut these guys down i don't want to like i don't want to be rude i don't want to seem unapproachable the last thing i want to do is make myself less approachable as a mentor as a as a trainer to them yeah and i don't necessarily want to talk about centrifugal versus centripetal force inclination angulation at the up and waiting down and waiting at the initiation phase of skidded turn like <laughs> yeah yeah i get that yeah i get that yeah and i think you know and that goes to like the, the end of the day at, at the bar like like just toning down the technical content and getting it just getting sociable like and it's not that i don't want to talk about those things but like some like there's 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 places where it's like hey I'd rather just get to know you as a human being and yeah. not talk about that technical concept right now. Mm -hmm. That's a big one for me. All right, all right, I got one for you. All right. Uh, in a clinic, or whether it's in a clinic or not, someone asks a question that they haven't tried to figure out or formulated some base of knowledge around before they ask you and they only look for the answers. The only reason they're asking you is because they want the answer and they haven't tried to think about what they think the answer might be first. Yeah, you're the expert, Nick. Just give me the answer. Yeah, just give, me, just give me the answer. Like, hey, uh, this is happening in the turn, blah, 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 blah. Is, should I be using um, twist or tilt at this phase in the turn? Okay. Tell me what you've what what do you think you should be using? Well, I don't know. Well, what's your thought process behind that? And I find myself constantly having to try to coach people down the road of like, have you went and done a skidded turn and tried to do this phase with just tilt and this phase with just twist? What was the result you got? Have you formulated your own opinion? I would so much rather hear, hey Nick, I know there's a topic out there about whether this phase of the turn and this type of terrain should have twist or or no twist and only tilt. And what I did is I went out and I played with it for a couple times and uh, on some of that terrain and I realized that I think with twist, the turn happens a little bit quicker, but I notice with no twist, I feel like I can control the rate of that turn a little bit better. I'm not sure which one I should be doing. What What do you think? Like that, that just sets a pure, not a pure, that just sets a good base of knowledge and 
and someone has already gone out and tried to find the answer to their own question, when you go out and you try to find the answer to your own question, you're way more likely to remember it. I can tell you over and over what I think, but what I'm saying to you might change depending on terrain differences, might depend on conditions differences. And if you've put in the time and effort to formulate your own rough idea about that, our conversation is going to be so much better. And it, it really drives me nuts when people only want the correct answer. And so often in snowboarding, as you know, there's no correct answer. It depends on so many different things. And you have to go through those experiences to get that knowledge, to have the understanding so that you can have intelligent conversations with people about uh, technical snowboarding. Yeah, I relate to that as looking to your trainers as the answer key and not as a guide or not as an actually as a trainer, right? Like people come sometimes to trainers or examiners being like, okay, what's the answer rather yeah. than help me learn the answer. And, yeah. and it, as a trainer, my passion is helping other people find the answers, not giving the book answer because I don't think the book answer always applies. Like to, to what you just said, conditions, terrain, different boards, biomechanics, the differences between men and women. Like there's a lot of different builds out there and you and I do not look the same snowboarding. So my answer might be slightly different than yours. And person C who's asking the question, he asks the question to you, you're gonna be like, well, this is what's worked for me. And they ask the question for me and I say, this is what works for me. That might be a different answer. Now they've got two, right? They'd be, if they're, if they're just seeking answers, the answer key, they, that might not help them versus like helping, helping them find that path to the answer that's going to work for them. And, and I so much prefer helping people find the answers themselves than giving them my answer. And I, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, one of my pet peeves is sometimes you try to go down that road with them and you're like, okay, you have this question we're going to go on and sometimes it takes a while like we're going to go on this big journey to find out that answer like no i came to this clinic because i want the answer and you're the guy who's supposed to be able to give it to me no i'm not you know i can give you the answer but that's not going to help you whatsoever and that that frustrates me yeah yeah that really frustrates yeah or like what's the one progression for this level two teach. Yeah, what's the right progression? <laughs> there is no right progression. What's the progression for intro to carving? There is no progression for intro to carving. It could be whatever you want it to be as long as the result is good and you should look at your student and figure out what their strengths and weaknesses are and then build from that. Yeah, yeah. I have the pet peeve with the person looking for the answers. Yeah. From you, not willing to look for the answers and experiment with in, in their own time or in their own riding, whatever it might be. Anyways, yeah. that's one for me. Yeah, that's a big one. It's it's good, it's good to like as a trainee be ready to like explore and use your trainer as a guide and a mentor, not as an answer key. I think that's a big a big way to take a you know take a, a direction out of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's what's another one for you? So another the another of the big ones for me is is, is when you're leading like cert two or cert three training and you've got like a clinic day on Tuesday and you, and you work on some stuff and you tell them, all right, here's some things you could work on through the week. And then you see them next week and you're like, all right, what have you guys been working on? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, Oh no, nothing. No, I haven't trained at all since last week's. And like my goal as a trainer is to provide you information and tools to self train through the entire week while you're teaching. Yep. Right. Cert yep. two, cert three. It's not getting the cert that actually 
makes you a better instructor. It's the work that you put in to get there. And going to training once a week is not going to help you pass your Cert 2 or your Cert 3. You don't even need to go to training once a week. You can go to training once a month as long as you're taking the time on your own to answer these questions and experiment with them and play with them and try these different things. We put into at Breckenridge when I was working there, I forget who, who brought it up, but it was at the beginning of every clinic. This was years ago. I don't think they still do it anymore, but at the beginning of every clinic, as a trainer, we all agreed we were going to ask everyone in the clinic, cool, all right, we're going to uh, go through one by one, and I want everyone to say what they've done since their last clinic on their own time to prepare for this clinic today. Ooh, that's huge. What a, what a great question, Yeah. right? Like, people get so reliant on trainers to give them the answers and give them give them the right way to do things. And you and I know that through experience that the only reason we've we've made it to where we are, which isn't some amazing thing necessarily, but the only reason we've been able to move up through the ranks is because we didn't rely on trainers to give us every answer. We went out and we did things on our day off. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Like my, my presentation for Rocky Mountain Trainer when I passed my RMT was something I read out of a Wired magazine, right? And I brought into the industry and explored and played and clinicked with and got feedback from trainers on, but it wasn't something that was handed to me from a clinic that I went to. It wasn't a clinic that made me a trainer. That's huge. When yeah. you're thinking about being a trainer, what is it you take from outside snowboarding to bring into snowboarding? What What is it? What is your perspective your own flair, whatever it might be. That's awesome. That's that's so key what you just said. And I hope people who, especially people who are going to become trainers, heard that because it's not what your trainers have given you yeah. beforehand that's going to make you a great trainer. It's what you can take from outside and bring into snowboarding that'll make you the trainer who you are meant to be. Yeah. You know? And that's the same at the Cert 2 and Cert 3 as well, I think, is if you're looking, if you're trying to create some standard progression and, and that you're going to recite and you're going to take these exact words from your trainer and that's how you're going to pass your level two or your level three. That's not going to be as successful as if you've gone out and you've workshopped through that and you've taught a bunch, you know, a hundred lessons of those levels and, and played with it and seen what has worked and what hasn't worked. That's how you're going to be successful at your level two and level three is you're ready to flow with any kind of curveball that's thrown at you because you've seen it happen in real life. And man, exams are just an attempt to recreate and assess your actual teaching ability, the way that you bring lessons to life, the way that you actually teach mm -hmm. in a short contrived segment to assess that. But the whole goal is to assess your ability to do it in the real world. Yeah. And that's, we're not looking for canned presentations at any of the levels, maybe the level one a little bit, but level two, level three, RMT, TCL, yeah. examiner, none of that. We're not looking for canned presentations. We're looking for your personality, the way you bring topics to life, the way you bring things to your guests and to your, your attendees. Some of the best teachers I've seen are when people pause on the fly and they make an adjustment. Mm -hmm. Actually, we were just doing, we were just doing an event, um, up in steamboat, me and you, we were doing a freestyle exam and someone, I can't remember the exact teach, but, but it was, they stopped in the middle of the said, Whoa, 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 Hold on, hold on. Everyone come over here. I noticed everyone has this one issue that it, 
that they're not doing and we need to address this right now. And I remember looking at you and being like, oh my God, look at that. This is awesome. How cool is this person? It wasn't a can teach. They were actually watching the people, the other candidates, and they made a realistic, totally applicable change to to what they were teaching based on the group that was in front of them. That was was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You got another one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got another one. All right. (laughs) I got another one. Pet peeve of mine in training, pouty people. People who pout in a clinic. What are you what are you doing? Like like you come to a clinic, you came here to try and get feedback for me or or whoever it is, your trainer on your riding, and you're not riding very well, or you might not have done a great teach or something like that, and you just you're you get all upset and then they they pout about it like oh that was no good you're like yes you're right it was it was terrible maybe it was terrible maybe it wasn't terrible actually and you think it actually was terrible but whatever it is they pout and then they get in a in a bad mood and they just sulk and they want you to console them listen we're all adults here yeah you're not doing retraction I don't know what to tell you. That's something you need to work on. Okay, I will take that advice and I'll go out on my own days and practice instead of, why can't I do retraction? Why can't I do this? I don't know. You know, we're, we're working on it. I'm trying to bring you through the things to help you do it, but you're just struggling with it today. I cannot stand people who get pouty in clinics. It is my one of my biggest pet peeves. I That very closely linked to, to one of my other big top top pet peeves, which is, not being able to receive feedback. Yeah. And we did a whole yes. episode on receiving feedback just yes. uh, last episode, yeah. two episodes ago. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not being able to receive feedback well. And that's absolutely one of my top pet peeves as well. Yeah. Whether it's being pouty or just like shutting down, like yeah. you came to this clinic to get feedback, right? Yeah. Like that's why you're here. Uh-huh. And you don't want to hear that feedback. And you're ruining everyone else's experience with that. Like, who are you to think you are so important that what you're going through is so much more important than everyone else in this clinic that you're going to ruin their experience for today? You're acting like a child. Like, that's a child. Yeah. That's what that is. That's a child who throws a tantrum. I have no desire to be around that. Not to say that when I am around it, I don't try to handle it very empathetically. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, PC, yeah, Nick, back on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and when I'm in front of the group, of course, I will yes. handle that very empathetically and try to try to manage that the best I can. But if we're talking about pet peeves yeah. here, that's a that's a huge one for me. Yeah, hundred percent. That that's <laughs> that's that one's. I mean, yeah. Whether it's you know, whether it's pouting or just like shutting down or or not trying to make changes, like take advantage of the trainer you have in front of you. Like you want to build a good relationship with your trainer, try to put what they're saying into, into action. Like try, try what they're suggesting, right? Yeah. Try to make those changes coming to training, not being ready to fall on your face, not, not being ready to make mistakes. Like that's where you're going to get the best results, right? Like I think all the time of like, you're, you're working with somebody on green train, blue train, you can tell there's a little a little glitch in their riding. You take them to black terrain, you draw out those tendencies, you make it really obvious to them, right? And now you can work on something. And the same thing happens in, in training. Often, your bad day is the day where you're going to get the most feedback and get the most opportunity to progress your riding, to progress your teaching, to learn more about what you're like on a bad day. Yeah. And like, man, 
what if you show up to an exam and it's your bad day? At least you know because you've gotten that feedback from your trainer. Yeah. Right. And if you're not able to receive that feedback and you're like, no, it's just my equipment, my equipment, you know, the snow's not good today. Like, oh, oh I'm, I'm just excuses. not, yeah, the excuses, you know, all that side of it. Uh, it's just not a very good day for me. On a good day, I'd be, I can do my toe to toes. Well, guess what? Your exam day <laughs> yes. might not be a good day. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Ben Boyd, Olympic halfpipe coach, um, you know, one of his athletes won the gold. Like, really intelligent guy. One of the things he said to me is he goes, I don't train athletes for their best for competition. We don't talk about what the best thing they could do is in a competition day. We talk about when conditions are terrible and you have the worst day, you're not feeling good emotionally, what is the run you're still going to be able to put down? And we train to that. And I just thought that was such a, such a cool thing that, that, that was really, really cool. The, um, the, the, the whole thing with with the pouting and uh, and and not not being happy it's I, I wrote an article that got published in 32 degrees about how to get the most out of your clinic and it was like three or four things bulleted items and the last one was let go of your ego that's how you're going to get the most and i see yeah. the people who pout the most and they're like oh poor me and i'm not doing this well and blah 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 whatever it is their ego is so blocked and they have some whatever it is whatever block they have that they're not willing to not do well or maybe it's their idea of where they think they they are versus where they actually are is way off and their ego gets hurt you've got to leave that ego behind if you actually want to get better at snowboarding or teaching or, or any of those things. You've got to leave that behind. And the people who pout and the people who complain and the people who act like children in a clinic, they have a high attachment to ego, I genuinely find. Yeah, what you just said there is so key. You know, Going back to some of our episodes on emotional intelligence, like talking about ego, ego is one of the biggest hindrances to self-improvement and to making yourself better and, and, and truly uh, excelling in anything is is when that ego be, gets in the way of receiving feedback and, and prevents you from being able to actually make changes or actually l- hear what a trainer or or a mentor or, or somebody giving you feedback is actually saying. Yeah, that's a big piece, right? Like a lot of times if, if you have an aversion to feedback, you've probably an ego issue, probably realistically. You know, I, yeah. I know, I know when I have aversion to feedback sometimes, sometimes there's a few times I'm like, no, I just don't agree with that. But when I have those like red emotions, like anger, um, rage to feedback, I, I generally find it's, it's my ego that <laughs> is the reason yep. that I'm struggling with those. You know, it's funny. Uh, another of the, another of, of the things that kind of catches me sometimes is a combo of this. And going back to the first, the first one I brought up of um, not being able to turn off snowboarding, is is sometimes people give feedback in inopportune or like ineffective ways, or they're hypercritical to the trainer because like almost defensive about stuff. And so they approach, yep. they like, they kind of fight back to the trainer. Well, well you didn't demo this right. Or like you yeah. had a little bobble in your heel side turn or like, um, or uh, yeah. jumping into like watching a student and trying to do, do 
MA on somebody who they don't know who the what the task was, right? Maybe there wasn't a clearly defined task. I'm like, well, that ride, I, I noticed that that when that person was doing this heel side turn, you're like, we were just free riding that lap. How are you? How how do you know that they were they were intending to be symmetrical in that turn? <laughs> yeah. Right. So like, yeah. like there's this like weird thing that happens in training sometimes that 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 people jump in to try to like I don't know if they're I don't know if it's a trying to win brownie points or like trying to like show prove mastery. their ownership of knowledge yeah. or show that oh I saw this my yeah 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 maybe. I don't even really know how to vocalize this but there's this yeah. like thing yeah. that happens sometimes in training where where people are like hypercritical or like hyper like jump into like ooh ooh look at me like I I've got this thing that I can do like I've got this this like look at this getting home uh, homeschooled, hometowned, however you want to call it. Oh, like, yeah. really, like there's yeah. this like show off element, whether it's MA, whether it's technical, whether it's riding that, that it's like this, like show off element. So many people come to a training, not wanting to learn, but just wanting to show the knowledge yeah. that they have yeah. to everyone else. And that sucks. And that is, you will not learn anything. If you show up to a clinic expecting to, to spew knowledge instead of get knowledge. Yeah. Anyways, do you, do you have any more? Do you have no, any? I, 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 this is, uh, this is good. I mean, I, you know, I think like getting an opportunity to share some of this, the, the perspective of like the interactions between trainees and trainers. And, and I think as any top trainer, like if, if you're listening to this podcast and, and you're like, oh, I do that sometimes. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, pound. my trainers never complained about that. Like, like, and this is just our, <laughs> this is just our perspective, but like a top trainer isn't necessarily going to, to shut you down on that. Right. Of course. But and like, I, and we never would no. like any of these pet peeves we're talking about. We would never, we would never go yeah. off. But like something. to pull back the curtain, like I will talk snowboarding all day long with you, but like there's a part of my brain that's saying like, Hey, can we just get a beer and like, like chat like what else do you do what's outside of snowboarding like what else what else yeah. interests you yeah. and then like that opens the door to me being more receptive to have that having that conversation about snowboarding with you right like not necessarily standing in an aisle at city market with with a, a bottle of milk in one hand and like <laughs> yeah. a box of cheerios in my other hand like yeah. oh yeah ang angulation inclination yep uh yeah right like creating a relationship means sometimes setting aside the common interests, the, the snowboarding, uh, the, the training, the trainer, trainer, trainee, trainer, trainee relationship, and just being human beings. And sometimes it means not asking that one extra question that you thought maybe you could get in. Um, you know, maybe it means saying like, Hey, could we, could we schedule some time to talk about this topic that I'm really interested in? And like one of the things yeah. I've done this year at Vail is schedule a weekly teaching and technical discussion clinic. That's like, you know, when you get seg segued up on the mountain, you're like standing on the side of the run and you're going down this rabbit hole. Like I've created a clinic here. That's, that's basically just the rabbit hole clinic. It's an hour <laughs> and a half. Talk about, yeah. Yeah. It's an hour and a half indoors, like bring a teaching topic, a technical topic. Let's chat about it. And like, when I go into that session, I'm ready for that. Do you have good success or people oh, it's, enjoying it? It's been it? super fun. Like I've, I've loved it because we're going down that those rabbit holes and it's the thing that I don't necessarily want to do when I'm standing in the aisle at city market. Yeah. But in this setting, I'm, I'm geared up, I'm going into it. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is gonna be fun. Let's go down those rabbit holes. Let's have these technical discussions. Yeah. Let's have and some it's been arguments. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's argue. Yeah. Let's do it. So like time and place and like that, that's been, that's huge. And then, you know, I think going to some, some of the things that, that you brought up and the, those pet peeves, like again, like top trainers aren't going to let you know that it's a pet peeve 
when it's happening. Of course not. No, that's the people skills side of what we do, right? Well, and the best, the ultimate people skills would be how does that trainer let you know that what you're doing might be off-putting to trainers in a way that still makes you feel supported yeah. and like you have value. That would be the ultimate side of that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I this is this is this has been really interesting to dive into and I I think I I'll, I'll be really curious to hear from from you all like are there things that that you feel as a trainee that maybe you've noticed has been uh maybe created some conflict with other other trainees or with trainers or like trainers that are listening like what what do you see in the cuz this is something that could make it could make things really better is, is being really open and, and out like to your point, like how, as a trainer helping steer those conversations mm-hmm. to like, Hey, there's a better time and a place for this. Can we, can we talk about this now? Or like, you know, being aware of, of some of those things that, that might irritate trainers and, and, and examiners. Um, maybe there's some, some, Maybe you're listening to this and you're you've got that like little hot flush going like oh that's me I do that yeah there's an opportunity like, there's some feedback for you there's an opportunity right now listening to this to say okay rather than get defensive right now I'm gonna take this this feedback and I'm gonna try to make a difference with the trainers that I work with and and create a better environment for everyone yeah hopefully <laughs> yeah that would be ideal right like. Like hopefully, hopefully this episode doesn't come off as like a don't do this and, and, you know, don't feel, you know, there's this relationship you must maintain with your trainer that starts here and ends here. Like I, I get what you're saying. And, and I think it's a really good point. I do. Yeah. I really do think it's a good point. Yep. Well, and you know, and I, I would say the other thing is like communicating, uh, like being super honest about your needs when you approach a trainer. Yeah. Like. I'm going to my exam tomorrow. I've got this question, man. I will drop anything for the tra- for the trainee that comes to me and says that. But yeah. like, this is this random, out there, esoteric thought that I have, and you're clearly busy with a conversation right now. But I'm going to ask it anyways. I'm going to interrupt what's going on. Like, those are two very different pictures, right? And so, just being aware that your trainers are, are real human beings, real people. Yeah, we're not just a bank vault of answers for you to access whenever you want them. Right. Yeah. Like that's that's not that's not what we are. Well, I think like most instructors, like you might have, you might be teaching a three to six lesson this week, and you've got four little four year olds, and at the end of the day, you drop those off to your par- to their parents, return them to the parents, and you go home. You you're able to to let go of them, and I think most trainers, like we we kind of carry our trainees, like especially the ones you're close to, around all the time. Like I'm always aware of like where they're at, where, you know, where my, where the people that I'm working with when they're going for the next certification, where they're going, like, there's a lot of like emotional and, and I don't want to say baggage, but like emotional support that goes on in being a trainer. And, and I never want to come across to your point as like, don't do this, do this, don't like, but it's just more like be open and honest with your trainer, share what's going on and be respectful of the fact that they are they have their other their own things going on sometimes. And at the end of the day, they may not have as much energy to give you. 
Yeah, well, be open and honest. But if you're open and honest is, I want the answer to this question, and I honestly want the answer to this question, but you haven't tried to figure it out for yourself at all, you might be trying to be open and honest, but it's still not good. And I think that's the real point of this episode is, yeah, I want the answer. Okay, what have you done to try to figure out the answer? Or whatever pet peeve it might fall under. You know, it's it's open and honest, but sometimes the expectation of what a trainer can do for you is far higher than what what it actually is. And what a trainer can do for you is one million times less than what you can do for yourself. And if you expect a trainer to be able to get you to pass your level one, two, three trainers, examiner, national team, whatever it is, you are wrong. It is only you who will be able to get you to do that. And to put that full expectation on any trainer is wrong. You have to take, you have to be open and honest. And I'm interpreting what you said as far as open and honest. I'm taking that as open and honest with yourself to understand what your expectations are. And you need to match that up with reality. Woo. Woo. There you go. Yes. I I don't know, you know, I'll follow that up. That's like standing ovation right there. I'm pretty sure that every trainer that's listening to this is just like that that's yes. It's all on on you at the end of the day. Go train. Your yeah. trainers are there for a support. Not and to help. Not to do the work for you. Yes. Yes. And yeah. people expect trainers to do the work for them. They do. And it's frustrating. When people come to a clinic and they expect, oh, great, if I take so many clinics with Chris Rogers, national team guy, I should be sweet for my level three. Guess what? That doesn't, that, that's not going to mean you're sweet for your level three. It's all dependent on you and the time off in between the clinics that you put in. The time not with Chris Rogers matters more than the time with Chris Rogers. Yeah. And you have to realize that. It does not matter how much you clinic. I know people who clinic all the time. They go to every single clinic that's available to them, and they're still terrible. It's not the trainer's fault. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I say, I say that. <laughs> the people I know, it's not the trainer's yeah, fault. Yeah. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah, do you the have work. to be open and honest to take the responsibility for yourself. I 100%. Okay. Do uh you know that's it I've oh, we've got an upcoming episode on like mental state and setting expectations. So uh, that yeah. segues into that. I don't know if that's next week or sometime down the road, but Yeah. Oh no, what's next week? Well, next week which I feel a little awkward about but maybe we do setting expectations next week. <laughs> maybe Maybe we do setting expectations next week, but also maybe um, we realize that a lot of a lot of listeners don't actually know who myself and Chris is, who who myself and Chris sorry are, but they 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 might have listened to us and we want to interview each other and do one episode where I interview Chris and try to really get to know Chris and ask him some questions, not just surface questions either, like actual real deep questions. Uh, about who he is, how he ended up here, and Chris is going to do the same for me. And a couple episodes where it's interviewing each other and talking about whatever comes up, just trying to be real, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we uh this has been it's it's been on our list uh going back to the three episodes the the unreleased episodes that the we three first, first recorded. Ones. <laughs> yeah, where we tried <laughs> yep. we we started out down that road or- originally. Something that's been on our to-do list has been to do some episodes where we get a little bit more personal with you guys about ourselves and and share some of that. And we thought the one of the best ways to do that would be to interview each other. And so that's definitely coming up in the next couple of episodes. Um yeah, just uh, sharing a little bit more about how we got here, who we are, and uh, and and what made us be where we are, how we got here, and 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 uh, what makes us tick. Yeah, basically, myself and Chris interview each other, two different episodes. Yeah, that's coming up uh, in the next couple episodes. Uh, for now, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. If you've got your own pet peeves, if there's things that you took out of this episode in terms of, man, this is something that I do that maybe would be helpful. Uh, for other people to to learn about, uh, we man that we'd love to hear that. We'd love to get more of you chiming in on our Facebook page, on you know sending us emails, learn from snowboarding at gmail dot com, or jumping in on on uh, the Facebook page is a great one. You can actually have some conversations with other listeners. Stay tuned for uh, next week's episode. Yep, as always, catch you next week, guys. All I Really Need to Know I Learned from Snowboarding is a podcast by me, Nick Alfieri. And me, Chris Rogers. If you have thoughts on this week's episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can continue the conversation with us and other listeners on our Facebook page. You can also email us questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to discuss at our email address, learnedfromsnowboarding at gmail.com. If you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe, write a review, and help others find our show. Thanks for listening.